Um, Channel 10. <laughs> Today's episode of Channel 10 Podcast is brought to you by Channel10Podcast.com. When you go to Channel10Podcast.com, you can check out our back catalog of great episodes. And you can also help support the show by clicking the store link and purchasing some Channel 10 Podcast merchandise. With that, let's start the show. We used to be like, see you then, Channel 10. And we used to think the people would catch on. No, but not if you're not from Queens, if you don't got Time Warner or whatever, like, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, Yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up? Hold on, man. What up? Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. What up? All good, baby. In every hood, son. What up? Yo, CNN. Network. Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas is grown men. Bold face. Get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime lace, cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network, Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas that's grown men, bold face, gather your face, stay in place, yo. Call is now being recorded. Okay, we're back. It's the Channel 10 podcast. Uh, once again, it's your man, AR, the almighty AR, and I'm alongside. Single Superior. And today we have a very special guest by the name of Cole James Cash. Say what up to the people. What's going on? What's going on, everybody? I want to give a shout out to every producer slash MC who's signed a distribution deal or whatever, but you still have to work a nine to five. Word. This rap, word. Shit, this rap shit don't pay, so unless you love it, don't even fuck with it. Word. <laughs> yeah, man, that's... um. That's some some wise wisdom right there. <laughs> oh, oh hell yeah! Like people, people get it twisted. Like, oh yeah, you. Oh, I, I saw on Facebook that you signed a distribution deal. Yeah, that's if my album sells ten copies, then it might be worth something. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's 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 not like they gave me advance money or whatever. In, in fact, it's better that they didn't. You know, it's it's better that I was you know I funded the operation myself along with the Kickstarter, et cetera. I try to tell people, man, if you're going to do hip-hop, man, you, you better not be doing it for no money because you'll be doing a lot of sucky shit that you <laughs> end up not wanting to do, you know? Word, word. Now, I guess before we take it back man. to the beginning, um, can you speak to your distribution deal and, you know, what you have going on with that? Well, there's a couple, actually. Um, the first one I have is for my album, Street Champion, which is an album based on the game Street Fighter Two. Um the, the the album has um, Chris Rivers, Black Poet, Gorilla Nems, Hot Rod, um, Jesus, um, Sadat X, my man Lex, my man Fu, L.A. Yeah, singer singer from from England. She rocks with Hus Kingpin and them kids. Uh, who called the winners? Um, I mean, there's a there's a there's a bunch of cats on there. Half the time, I can't even remember the the the, the entire roster. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, those are, those are some of the mainstays Word. and, um, basically the album itself, um, I, I spent about a year working on it. This is something I don't like to do. I don't like to spend a lot of time working on one project. You know, I, I really, I'm not that kind of person that I'm not a perfectionist. Mm. I'm not. I, I will work on something, and I hope I'll be like, "This sounds good. This is as good as it's gonna get." Okay, let's move on. You know, 
I'm not, you know, I'm not one of them cats that are like, oh, yeah, I like to take my time. No, I like to hurry the hell up because this shit gets grading after a while. Right. So the thing is, is I have 26, 27 MCs on there. So when you have that many MCs, it's, things are going to take time whether you like it or not. It's not even a choice at that point. Um, so I worked on it about a year ago. Um, I got it completed um, through donations as well as I had cats, you know, I had to have cats invest because of the fact that, you know, the album ended up, I raised 3500 publicly at Kickstarter, but the album ended up costing more than that. So I had to get money through other means along with my own, but I had other cats, you know, some of the executive producers, you know, such as my man Malcolm Albert and uh, a cat named Sofa King, et cetera. Like, you know, a bunch of cats really helped out. So... Basically, you know, I was able to get the distribution deal, one of them, through Redline Distribution. They put out Cormega's last album and okay. Large Professor's, some of Large Professor's discography has come out with them also. So basically, you know, when it comes to Redline Distribution, like, they're just a distributor. I was forced to create my own label. You understand, I don't give a shit about having my own label, man. Like, I, I don't give a fuck. I mean, having a like, you understand, like, doing music is a four-letter word now, especially rapper. I'm not a rapper, but, like, what do you do? Oh, I make rap music. It's, uh, you might as well, you might as well tell people you sell herbal life, man. <laughs> you know? It, 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 it's not, you know, my, my, my man Lex, one of my good, closest friends, Lex, who raps on the album three times. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot, Scott Zulu was on the album. That's the main feature I was forgetting. Yeah, he's, the, he's like, the, the biggest name on the album. Um, but, yeah, like, basically... Um, I, I, you know, the, the guy told me, dude, Jamie from Redline, he's like, well, what label is it under? I'm like, I don't know. Whatever you have. He's like, no, I'm just a distributor. You have to have a label. I'm like, well, okay, I'm just going to make up some shit. So basically, I made up my own label called Elite Squad, uh, based on the movie, a Brazilian movie called Tropa da Elite, which is Portuguese for Elite Squad. And I forcefully drafted my good friends to the label, FU. <laughs> <laughs> uh, EF, yeah, my man FU, who actually signed a deal over at Red Phone Look Records to put out his album, The F Word. And my man Lex, who actually just recently put out an album where he's rapping strictly over breakbeats called Break the Pattern. So basically, I forced those dudes to be a part of my label. And then I snatched up, like I said, uh, uh, my girl from Manchester named L.A. She rocks with the winners. Like I told you, Huss Kington, Rosewood, those those guys, those are Rockmar Marciano's protégés, basically. And, you know, she rocks with them. And I'm like, no, nah, you're coming with me, okay? You're coming with me. So I put together this small team. And so my label is more like... A lot of these labels are like a bunch of like thugs and super thugs and super gunmen or, yeah, we're super lyrical. No, no. My shit's like some comic book hero shit, man. You know, I forced everyone to have nicknames and shit like that. Like, you know, I, I wear a mask. I never show my face, man. You can mm -hmm. Google my name. You will not see not one image. You can Google my government name, which I'm not going to give you, but <laughs> you can Google that. You still won't find anything because I've, I've gone through great lengths to protect myself online the last 10 years. You cannot find me. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, if you Google my name, you'll see all my interviews. You can find out a lot about me. But a picture, that ain't going to happen. Mm. So basically, you know, I, I fashion my label as a bunch of comic book heroes, man. I, I don't take myself that serious. Honestly, I don't take myself that serious. Too, too many niggas in rap are too real or, oh, I keep it real. I keep it hip-hop. You know, I just do whatever I want to do. And if it happens to fall under something that people like, then great, you know. Um, 
But I do try to fall within the bounds of the culture because the culture is very important to me. But I'm not going to force that on you. You know, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, you're losing the future of Fetty Web. That's not the, that's not hip hop. You know what? I, you know, my mom would say back in the day, man, it's too much cursing on this shit. You know, <laughs> I'd be like, nah, you don't get it. The kids today will tell you, man, you don't get it. You old. You can't fuck with Fetty Web, man. You, you can't expect hip hop to stay KRS warning them forever. People, times, times change, you know, they change right. and you have to, you can't force the kids to like what you like. You can't do that, you know? Um, and nobody is less intelligent because they want to bump young thug. You know, like that they're not. It's just that that's what that's what they like. Think about right. Nelly. I hated Nelly in high school. But you know what? For a lot of kids, Nelly is nostalgic for them. And who am I to tell them that, oh you can't that's not nostalgic. It was whack. No. To them it wasn't. So I don't I, I don't even bother with that shit. So the back to your question, yeah, I, uh, through my man uh, Malcolm, I was able to get distribution deals for the album. It's going to be out in January. It's going to be out in all digital stores, and I got CDs pressed up. Not like anyone gives a shit about CDs, but if you wish to have a physical copy, you can have one. Okay, it'll be on Amazon, and there'll be you know it'll be on Spotify. So you know I can get ten cents every time you stream it a million times. Um, <laughs> you know it, it, it'll be on all those different places. But it's a, it's it's my most expensive piece of work. Costed nearly ten thousand dollars to make, and 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 I I really enjoyed it. You know, my second mm-hmm. my second distribution deal is for um, a startup label called Sound Alive Records, which is run by my man E Smitty. E Smitty works very closely with Cool G Rap, and uh, and he's worked with Agala. Um, he um he he has a, like a whole host of people to work with. He's a producer. He MCs sometimes, but he mostly produces and does a lot of mastering. And uh, he produced uh, ASAP first, probably one of his biggest tracks, which was uh, Chapters on Deck. Mm. Um, so he got a lot of notoriety for that. And me and him are real cool. We're, we're real cool. So I made an album about my son, okay, which is actually due out, I believe, December 15th. I forgot. I'd be forgetting my release dates. <laughs> and I made an album about my son. It's only eight songs, okay? And seven of the songs are just instrumentals. But at the beginning of each instrumental, I give a short message to a short message to him. You know, you know about you know relationship advice and how you know how I'm always going to be close to him. Like I give messages to him. And the last song is that there's one vocal track by my my people's from Crew, uh, Crew 54. These guys out of Austin, Texas. Well, you, if you heard them rap, you'd swear they're from New York. But yeah, they're from Austin, Texas. And the song is called Hands Up. And, you know, basically, you know, I'm showing my pro-black colors on that one, you know, like, you understand, I'm not going to talk much about politics. If you go on my Facebook, you ain't going to see too much about anything. I like to let, like, my music pretty much, you listen to my songs, I'm, it'll tell you exactly how I feel. Um, for instance, on Street Champion, you listen to the song with Sadat X and uh, my man Apocalypse, the Archangel, they talk to some Black Lives Matter conspiracy type shit. You know, even though it's a Street Fighter album, right? Because of the yeah. fact that that stuff that stuff is very important to me, you know. But I'm not one to throw it in your face. I'll just slip the message in, and if you heard it and you know where I was coming from, then that's what it is. That's what's up. Now, you said that um, you know, you spoke about you know the culture. So I was wondering, you know, before we get into you know how you got to the point where you're at now, um, coming. From up in the Bay Area and all of that, you know, what does the hip-hop culture mean to you and how did you first get introduced? Well, um, 
the earliest records I can remember were mostly like uh, Slick Rick's second album. Mm. Um, like my sister had that. My my you know my my oldest brother, he had like a bunch of uh, yeah like a bunch of my older brother had a bunch of CDs and stuff and tapes of like Kid and Play, um, MC Light, MC Shy D. Um, mm. You know he had he had all kinds of stuff. I mean. I, I, you know, I can remember, um, just being enamored with hip hop and house music, you know, like I was really, really liked house music. That's actually what I started DJing. I was always, I was always, I loved, what I loved about Oz music is it was very positive. Um, and I'm not talking about EDM. I'm not talking about that bullshit. I'm talking about, I'm talking about house music, 1990s. I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna say it when when you you could hear the blackness in that music, you know. Mm. It was like mm. it was like a gospel almost. You, you know? mean like uh, had Dr. Dr. I was gonna say Crystal Waters and all that. Or? Yes, Crystal Waters, yeah. Martha Wash. You know what I mean? Like you had converted gospel singers, basically. You know, and 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 I really enjoyed that. But I loved hit. What I loved about hip hop was. I like I like that you know you didn't have to be a rapper to be a part of it. You could be a DJ. You could you could be a fan. You could just be an observer. You could be a b boy. You could you could be a, you could do anything. You know, mm. the Bay Area is a very insulated community. Um, it's 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 very you know people here are really in their own zone. Like you're gonna find people that are think about Lil B. Okay, right. And, uh, he's from Berkeley. He's a unique, very unique kid. And, and and at first, people didn't know how to take him because, I mean, I, I mean, I'm from here, so when I see him doing what he does, I'm like, yeah, that nigga's from Berkeley, you know. But for an outsider, they're like, what the hell is this guy doing? You know, it's it's, it's a very that's what I'm saying. It's a very insulated, you know, it's a very insulated community where people just do whatever the hell they want. You know, there's there's no rules here, and 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 we don't have a lot of big record companies that are like LA does, where it's right around the corner. So a lot of our movements here are very independent. Now me, my background is actually in jazz, okay? Jazz piano, jazz saxophone. Mm -hmm. So what my music is rooted to and rooted towards is a jazz conception, jazz theories. So theoretically, my music is linked to that. So I will gravitate towards music that has that element in it. So I'm going to gravitate more towards a Lord Finesse, I'm going to gravitate towards a Pete Rock. I'm going to gravitate towards a Pete DJ Premier. Um, if you, if I want to take it on to some other shit, um, you know, a Japanese DJ named DJ Crush, who did a lot of instrumental albums, who I'm highly influenced by. Um, DJ Crush is the reason why I found out about Tragedy in them. Um, and, and, you know what I mean? Like, Tragedy did a song with DJ Crush back in 96, 95, and I'd never heard of Tragedy at that point. You know, I actually, I actually, he, I didn't know that that was the intelligent of them, if that makes right. sense. Um, you gotta understand, I live in the Bay Area, so it's, it's, things are different here. We, you know, DITC and all them cats, they don't have a name out here like that. You feel me? Like, you have to really be plugged in in the 90s to know who those cats were. And it just wasn't like that for me. I'm, you know, I'm in my early 30s, so there's only so much I was gonna know before the internet really helped get things going. Yeah. You know, uh, for instance, Nas Illmatic had no effect out here. Okay, mm. I'm gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> now it was written was huge because he had the video, the Street Dreams video. But but any any nigga from the Bay Area who says, "Oh yeah, back in '94, Nas was bubbling," no, that is not true. You know, and I don't say that negatively. It's because I'm trying. I try to tell people, man, that 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 
certain things in New York, certain things in the South, certain things in the Bay Area didn't reach everywhere like that. The internet changed that. You see what I'm saying? So I had to look, search really hard for the type of hip hop that I like. And I, and I remember one one definitely one thing that definitely changed me was the tribe called Quest Midnight Marauders album. When I heard oh, yeah. the production on that, it, it really it really drastically changed what I thought hip hop could be because it was it was the first perfect album I'd ever heard. You know, like right front to back for me personally. So for me, there's always you know that's 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 really a big deal. So I started off DJing house music, DJing a little hip hop, mostly house music. And I just, but I, what I liked about the culture is that it didn't, it didn't take much to be, to be a part of it. You know, it's not like I didn't view it like uh, how I viewed like rock and punk, where you had to like dress a certain way or whatever. With hip hop, man, you could dress however the hell you wanted, so long as you appreciated the culture and you was down with it. Then you know what? That's all you needed to needed needed to have. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not disrespecting that that you know any type of punk or rock and roll culture. It's not that. What I am saying is that hip hop just seemed like it was easier to jump into, and plus, I mean, it's a representation of my people. It's black music. Bottom line, it's it's, it's black music, and I'm black, so it's something that I felt I could be a part of and have something to share and express that's culturally significant to me. Mm-hmm. Now, um, how did you come up with the uh, name Cole James Cash? Very easily. Um, I used to be I used to be CIA. Okay. Um, when I started producing back in around '05, um, when I got out the service, and uh, I used to be CIA, but I was like, "Nah, that shit sounds like the feds." So I switched my name up to Cole Cash. It's a comic book character from a book I like called Wildcats. It's about a not really a hero, but he's kind of an anti-hero. He smokes cigarettes. He's a womanizer, you know, um, and he wears a mask. And uh, I, when I had a son. I put the James in it because James is my son's middle name. So I called myself Cole James Cash because I thought it sounded really cool. I mean, there's it's not much to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. So um, I guess going back, um, you know, looking at some of your uh, interviews and everything, you talk about... There's quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I guess your uh, upbringing and everything like that and um, about, you know, how you got your record collection. Um, so can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, sure. My record collection came about, um, you know, what happened was, was my dad, he left my mom. You know, my dad, my dad's a real, you know, he's not the, he's not a nice guy. You know, someone like to put he's not a nice guy. He's extremely selfish and self-serving. So, you know, with that said, he what he did was when he left, he didn't take his records. And my dad was the type of person that, like, if he touched his shit, like, he'd, he'd beat your ass. So when he wasn't there, I was like, I ain't going to do shit now, so I'm going to fuck with it. So I, the moment I put the needle to the record, it was a life-changing event. I was like, I can't believe that music is being generated from this. So I would grab, like, random records, like uh, Tears for Fears, Cindy Lauper, uh, uh, a lot of Brazilian records. Um, if you put the dots together, <laughs> there, there's a reason why there's a lot of Brazilian records. I'll let you all take the hint. Uh, like Astro Gilberto, uh, Antonio Carlos Jobim, um, Sergio Mendes. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I would listen to a lot of Brazilian records, and I definitely, I, I you know, you know, 
I, I was highly influenced by that. Mm. So what ends up happening is, is you're listening to a lot of Lonnie Liston Smith, Miles Davis, John Coltrane, Grant Green, you know, Chet Baker or Blakey, et cetera. You grow up listening to that. That's going to be, that's going to have a high, high impact on you when you're eight, nine, ten years old. And it did. So as I, as I would listen to these records, I would, I got a great understanding of musical theory at a very young age. Not because I was smart. I was just, sat around playing records you know it, it, it's I wasn't some advanced fucking kid believe me I just happened to like putting a needle to the record right. so like around that time when you were listening to that what were other kids your age listening to just to put it in perspective <laughs> shit I don't know um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what sure. um, the radio the radio then was playing pretty good stuff so I remember the scenario remix was really popping at that time. Mm. Um, and, um, you had like the brat, um, the brat was popping. Oh, doggy style. Jesus Christ. Um, the chronic, like I said, like back then though, like that the, the hip hop was influenced by the records I was playing. So right. for me to be listening to that wasn't really out of the question. You know, it's it's not it's not crazy to if you're listening to the fine young cannibals and then some guy samples it, you know, it's not crazy to hear that. Uh-huh. You know, you have to understand if it's ninety one, you're not that far removed from the eighties. So if you switch to BH one, some of those same pop records that my dad had had, you could listen to. You know, uh-huh. it's 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 not like today where the music is so far removed from any of that. Listening to that, people think it's some kind of fucking genius and reality. It's probably just some hipster snob that got the record at a goddamn record shop. But um, it's 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 a different time now, you know? So regards, I mean, that's what I said. Like, I wasn't listening to that because I was a fan. So I was listening to it because it was there. Mm-hmm. And I happened to like it. And, you know, I liked listening to the radio at the time, you know, listening to the, the, the chronic the Chronic is the best and worst thing to happen to worst West Coast hip hop, mm. easily. It's the mm. best because it switched up the way production could be done. You could get cast to re- Dre had people replaying things. He made things sound brand new 20 years later, even. The problem is, is that everybody copied it. And to this day in the Bay Area, the reason why most Bay Area production sucks, and I'm just going to say, is most of it's garbage because they're trying to recreate the Chronic, and it's not going to happen. You know, the Bay Area is kind of behind in a lot of respects because they're either doing some trap shit or they're trying to remake the chronic and there's just not a lot of originality and production-wise in the Bay Area. People are obsessed with, oh, yeah, I got to make that slap. How about you just make music? Right. You know, how how about you just make something musically relevant? Now... Um, during this time when you were getting deeper into your uh, father's record collection, were there any uh, local hip hop acts that uh that were on the radar on the radio or that you noticed coming up? Uh you're talking about locally? Yes. Yeah. Um definitely um E forty. Mm-hmm. Um E forty E forty is definitely you have to understand something about E forty is that what makes E it, authenticity is kind of a big deal in the Bay Area. You're not gonna sit there and spit about you do this and that and the other and that's not what you do. You know, they, they, we're, we're very big on authenticity. You know, being a fraud, you'll get caught up very, very quickly. You know, um, I don't know if you know, but a lot of beef here end violently, you know. Um, so with E-40, 
when he said when he was sitting there talking about oh I'm cooking up this and I'm chefing that and I'm doing this that's that's the life that he lived so when he he describes things in such detail and you understand a lot of cats that aren't from the business you know really don't fuck with him but here we love him because his unique way of describing things he's definitely a narrator to the fullest and you don't have a 25 year career to rap without having something about you you know and I'm talking like being relevant, socially relevant, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, when I, you know, being a youngster, you know, I, I would definitely say cats like um, Local X, like Richie Rich, he was over at Def Jam, so a lot of cats knew who he was. Um, there was a cat named Domino, um, got see, Rapid Forte, the Loonies, I really like them, right. um, you know. But majority of the stuff I listen to is usually out of New York and L.A., but some of the Bay Area cats I liked because they had a, a great funk vibe to them that I really enjoyed. Um, but I, I, if you were to say, am I influenced by those guys? I can't say I, I, I'm influenced by the production because of the fact a lot of it's rooted in funk, but I'm not a big funk guy. And I know that sounds like ridiculous, but I'm just not, you know? And a lot of that has to do with the fact that all the funk samples have been used to death. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so you know, in order to, to equate variation in what it is that I do, I have to, you know, I have to bring something different, you know. Uh, this actually plays a huge part in an artist that I'm working with currently, you know. Um, but, yeah, go ahead. Can you speak to, to your uh, impetus when it started to... Um when you started to like actually make your own tracks and how you branched from DJing to uh, actually, you know, creating music, um, what was that process like and what was the impetus behind that? Well, it took a while. What happened was is in oh, 2005, I, I started with a studio program, Cubase, which I found really confusing to use. Mm. In 2006, though, I got the MPC, the MPC 2000XO, and um, it worked well with what I wanted to do. Now, learning to sequence and all that, like, I understood bar structure because I, you know, I was a trained, I'm a trained saxophonist, so I understood the structure of bars and, and, and you know, this and that, and the other 16 bars, et cetera. But you have to understand it, it takes a long time to create your own sound. So when I started off, I started off um, producing because my boy, one of my boys, uh, uh, my man, out in Marin County is he, you know, he's a uh, rapper out there. He goes by the name of Dubad. He was fucking with a, uh, a guy named uh, Killer Tay, who is the homeboy of Sebo, and they have several albums together, et cetera, et cetera. This, he's a Northern California legends. Right. And so what happened was they they encouraged me, you know, hey, you should you should give production a shot. So I gave production a shot, and like you know, I got some drums and I got some samples. I had plenty of samples because I had a lot of records. Um, and I, and it, it, but I can honestly say it took two straight years to get good. And what I mean by good, I mean like listenably good. Okay. Um, then, but the thing was with that was that like, as much, I really enjoyed, you know, I, I enjoyed working with, with those guys, but I had some personal issues, you know, and I think he had some personal issues also. So we had a bunch of stuff recorded in the vault, but it just didn't come out like that, you know, it just didn't come out. So what ended up happening was, you know, eventually I developed a drug problem years later. And, you know, what ended up happening is, is I went through so much turmoil emotionally, but I can honestly say that when I did my first couple projects, one of them, The Price of Glory, well, which was my first full length by myself, no MCs, nothing, just instrumentals. 
Um, I did that as a soundtrack to a movie. I just made my own soundtrack. I used samples, et cetera. Um, and then my other album, Eternal Punishment, with those ones, that's when I was starting to like make ideas. And I was like, you know what? This might be, I'm going to run with it. Um, then when I fell into complete drug addiction and, you know, and then for a, a, for a little while I was homeless, uh, I was homeless almost up until I admitted to my mom out of drug problem. Then she put me in a hotel and got me, you know, all suited up for rehab. I was in an um, outpatient rehab, so I stayed in the halfway house, and then I went to the rehab by day, et cetera. When I stayed in the halfway house, that's when I started to get extremely good because I didn't have shit else to do. Like, I was locked in 17 hours a day. So what would end up happening is, is my mom got me another laptop, you know, and I didn't bring, I didn't want to bring the MPC down the, down to the halfway house. So I have this laptop with me and I'd have it with me 24 hours a day, basically. So what I started doing was I started more than taking it serious. I started to really, really just buckle down and create my own signature sound. Like I'm talking like using the programs to the max. So basically I started to have this sound where I would, my songs became to sound like almost like a dreamlike state, you know, mm. any one of my songs, they sound they have this warm dreamlike feeling to them. So I made an album about Saigon. Saigon is an album about the evolution of the capital of Vietnam from French, French ownership to the Vietnam war to the modern day. Now it's called Ho Chi Minh city, et cetera. Um, so I just made an album about the evolution of the Vietnamese capital. You might be like, why the hell did you do that? Well, you know why? Because nobody else is going to fucking do it. So I did. Um, so, you know, I did that. And then and then after I did that was when I had the project of all projects. That this, I said, you know what? I love big girls. And I, I hooked up <laughs> with some BBW porn stars and I made an entire rap album. Now, I don't rap, but I recruited a bunch of rappers to make rap songs about fat girls who do porn. Wow. I mean, I, there's no other way for me to describe it. <laughs> you know, if you if you Googled me, you'd see the image. Okay, I did a photo shoot in LA for it, which is, you know, that's a whole other story in itself. But I did a photo <laughs> shoot in LA, okay, and it was, if you, if you can imagine this, you're, you're dead broke, but you're making this album, and next thing you know, you produce someone else's album in Texas, and you use that money to go to L.A. so you could hook up with, you know, these porn stars so that you could do a photo shoot. I mean, it's a surreal moment. Mm. You know, it's a surreal yeah. moment. I mean, it, it, that's why, like, I really don't care to hear people's excuses of why they can't do shit. Like, oh, you know, when it comes to music, man, blah, 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 nobody supported me. Well, guess what? I was in a fucking halfway house, and I made it happen. So I don't want to mm. hear shit. You know, yeah. I was in a halfway house with no money and I got somebody out in Texas to pay me to go down there to produce his album. And I used that money to go to L.A. to make that photo shoot happen. I don't want to hear shit. Mm. You know, I don't even show my face nothing. I don't show my face or anything. I got by on pure talent. Mm. So I think, it's... I think I think that's one of the things that makes you, you know, such an interesting uh, character, um, you know, in hip hop is, you know, you can look and look and look and search and you can't find your face. And then you have such a disparate array of projects like, um, you know, you did a project focusing on Saigon and then you go from there to BBW and then you go from there to Street Fighter. Like, 
you know yeah, the street the street fighter one is like my major debut you know because mm-hmm. there's a ton of people on it right but um going back to saigon a bit um i was curious about this one track uh french french indochina where you sample yep. i noticed that you uh sampled stereo lab yeah and i was curious to know um because i know i know a little bit about the um the lead singer i know that she's a french musician and did you specifically um use sample stereo lab for that one specific track because she was speaking french yes um what, what yeah. was she saying do you know you know um in that song in that song in particular um i actually you know what now that i think about it that song is really actually difficult to interpret. I can't really tell if she's speaking French or English because there, there used to be two lead singers and one of them's dead. Yeah. So with her, I actually, I actually cannot tell. If, 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 if It sounds like she's saying discovery at the beginning, but I actually can't even freaking tell, but it sounded French enough. So I, I sampled it because it's a French group and I thought it would go well with the theme of the song because there's a, there's, that song is supposed to be about finality, the finality that the French empire is over. You know, yeah. that's it. That's it. It's done. You know, that's it. So with that said, it's time to it's time for you people to move on and get the fuck out of here. Mm. Yeah. And um, it was because, you know, I know Stereo Lab has that kind of like 60s vintage kind of poppy kind of sound. Yeah. Sorta. And then after that, you know, like. Like the like the project starts off like kind of kind of serene, kind of calm, and then once you get to like um um American arrival, it's like these hard banging drums and kind of like a kind of chaos going on, which I really liked. Like this like yep. this tension all throughout the project. Yeah, you motherfuckers did your homework. <laughs> <laughs> you guys did you guys did your homework because that's exactly what it is that happened. Mm-hmm. What was um. You know, like, what was your interest in in you know focusing on that specifically for uh, for this project? Because I like to focus on things that nobody gives a shit about. Mm. You know, you, you I mean, you, I, I'm, I'm telling you, like, people's like they'd say, "Oh yeah, I'm doing this beat tape." Fuck a beat tape. Why can't I just do a bunch of compositions that go together? Right. You know, mm. there's, there's, you have to understand, there's a ton of producers, man. There's too many. I wouldn't even call them producers. There's a ton of beat makers. I'm not a beat maker. I'm a producer. I can take control, which I'm actually preparing to do right now for somebody. I can take control of an album, get the best out of them, and create an atmosphere that captures what their fans want and what they want. You know? So for me, I was like, you know what? I don't even have any MCs to rock with. So fuck this. I do. I just do whatever I want. Uh, you know, it's it's it's. Yeah, do, do, do you understand how much crying and shit I, on Facebook I see every day? <laughs> oh, nobody wants to support me, or you guys ain't needed. I thought you all supported me, or y'all ain't showing no love, or MCs be taking long to. I don't even know if you're gonna use the beat. Like, man, fuck, wait on an MC. <laughs> You know, if you're dope, they'll be coming to you in the first place. And a lot of these niggas don't understand. Why don't you just go out and meet somebody, man? Go to yeah. a show and, and have personal interaction. You you can't sit Get back Get out of your wait. computer chair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now granted, did I do most of my work in my computer chair? Yeah, but you know why? Because <laughs> I, I have a journalist that backs me. That's my mm. key element. 
journalist Robbie Edelson from Uncut.com. He's very well connected, and he loves my work. Mm. So he, he made it very, very convenient for me, believe me. But even without him, you know, even without him, I would have still just put stuff out, you know. But don't get me wrong, he played a big role in helping me. Mm. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, like I said, when it comes to, when it came to Saigon, there's a progression, you know. The progression from the 1940s to the 50s and the 60s, okay, 60s and the Vietnam War up until, you know, the modern day. That's why as this, as the album goes further, the production gets more contemporary. I started sampling contemporary Vietnamese music to fit the theme. Mm. Mm. And, um, and it kind of like this uh, this project in particular kind of reminded me of um, like kind of how Madlib does with his medicine show series. And, yeah, um, Madlib's a huge influence on me. So yeah. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. Because I, so, I was so, kind of so the key thing is, yeah, the key thing is I, I can't do what Madlib's already did. You know, right. I got to do I got to do something completely different. You know. Mad Lib, Mad doing Indian Indian tracks, so I'm doing Vietnamese tracks. You know, okay, <laughs> yeah. but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do. I gotta do something that people don't do. Mm. You know, and I'm not concerned with, I'm not concerned with any anything or anybody's opinion. When I say that, I don't mean like constructive. I'm saying like, oh, this shit's whack. Okay, well, you know, that that's how you feel. You know, that's how you feel. I I, I can't please everybody, but I can please myself and. Hopefully people like it, you know, because you understand I'm not the type of person that think rap's going to be my financial savior, mm. you know, because it ain't, you know, I'm, you know, my, this is my last semester here at school. I work a regular job. I do this because I like it, mm. you know, I, it, you, you, I do it because I like it, you know, and, and I'm not fooled by any illusions of grandeur, you know, and you think about Street Champion, I got some pretty major names on that shit. So doesn't mean people will buy it. You know, the best I can hope for is that people like it. That's that's my expectation. I hope they like it. That's it. Mm. That's what's dope. Now, you know, another thing, um, when you talk about, you know, you can't do something that somebody else did, you know, like how when you said, you know, Mad Lib is doing the Indian thing and you're doing the Vietnamese thing, um, you know, uh, with you with the uh, Iron Man kind of anti-hero theme with the uh, mask and everything like that, um, uh, how does that play into, uh, you know, your whole persona and your music um, as well? Well, these days, these days I've, I've got some Mexican Mexican wrestling masks. Okay. So I've been wearing those. Um, the okay. Iron Man mask, I did that in the beginning because I, I just happened to have one. But mm -hmm. I started custom ordering Mexican wrestling masks. And the thing is, is about Mexican wrestling masks is that you, you're, you know, with wrestling. And first of all, rap is just like wrestling. A yeah. whole lot of bullshit. Okay. <laughs> I know here's a difference. I know I'm a fucking character. Okay? I know what it is that I am. You know, you look like a fucking idiot on that with that mask. You goddamn right I do. What do you do about it? <laughs> Nothing. You know, um with wrestlers you get different different sides of them. Sometimes they're sometimes they're good. Sometimes they break a chair over their ally. You get different sides. You get different, you know, different stories. So with me, I have different stories to tell with in my music. So you're going to get different sides of me with every with every album, you know. And um, the thing is, also, it forces you to concentrate on my music. You know, there's not going to be a whole horde of groupies like, oh, I want you. No, no one gives a shit about that. 
I force you to focus on the music now. Uh, I've said this. I said this to another journalist. If Doom is the villain, then I'm the anti-hero. You know, I'm the drug addicted fat girl fucking anti-hero. <laughs> now, you how know? did you how, how did you come across uh, getting finding you know custom made uh, Mexican wrestling Mex- Mexican wrestling masks? Like, where, where did you go to find that? I mean, was, like, internet. did you have it in your mind? Like, like, what, like, what kind of mask did you want? Or I, yeah, there's certain uh, there's certain luchador, luchadores that I like, uh, such as uh, Doctor Wagner, uh, Mystico. You know, there, there, there's certain luchadores that I really like. Um, you have to understand, uh, and uh, you know, whether it's AAA or CMLL, these are the two main Mexican wrestling factions. You have, um, uh, like, I, I'm like translating in my mind how I would say it in English. Basically, you have technicals, which is like the good guys, and you have uh, rules, which is the the bad guys. So it's like depending on my mood, it's gonna you know dictate what I would wear. If I'm in a great mood, I'd just say fucking grab a Ray Mysterio mask and say, yeah, I'm going all good guy today. You know, it's it's like I said, you know, a lot of these rappers, I ain't gonna say who they are. They're playing characters. They're playing them 24 hours a day. You know, and it's like not me, man. I, I know I'm, I know I'm just being a clown, but under that clown is 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 some substance. So if you see a guy with a fucking mask, like, and he's got he's on there with this girl with these huge fucking tits, and she's fat as hell, you're gonna be like, what the fuck is this? Exactly. You're like, oh, you're, like you're like you're like oh shit, there's some this is quality music. That album BBW is actually about romance. If you listen to it, it's actually about romance. You know. Um, and it's hilarious. I wasn't experiencing any of that in my personal life. My personal life was actually in fucking horrible shambles at that point. But, um, you know, I, I made that album because nobody else would do it. You know, though, nobody else is going to do what I'm going to do. And that's, that's mm-hmm. the point, you know, um, at the moment, you know, with, you know, I got a bunch of projects locked and loaded. You know, I got my man, me and my man, FU, he's got a, um, me and him have an album pretty much ready to go. All he's got to do is rap to it. Um, you know, I got upcoming songs with, uh, you know, uh, Blue. Um, you know, I got a, I got, um, the BBW is actually going to be re-released under the, uh, under the album name Full Figured. And I got a song with uh, Shabam Sadiq on there um, mm-hmm. that wasn't on the other album. So I got a bunch of stuff on lockdown, man. It just hasn't seen the light of day. All of the albums are going to be re-released through Redline Distribution, um, when, along with Street Champion. Like my entire back catalog is going to be on iTunes and Spotify, etc. You know, just so it'll reach a wider audience. And but with DVW, it's going to be called. It's going to be retitled Full Figured, mm. um, and it's going to be shorter. And there's going to be some new songs on there. Like I said, the main one being the one with Sil- Shabam Sadiq in L.A., which is going to be called um, um, Sinful Celeste. And uh, yeah, you know, when it's done. You know, I'll make sure you guys, you know, get a link to that and things like that. Oh, definitely. Um, but I got to say this, though. My main, you guys got to understand my main priority right now, okay? I have a rapper who is, uh, where are you guys from? From Baltimore. All uh, right, Baltimore, okay. Here in California, you have the Bay Area, but you have a place called the Central Valley. Okay, mm-hmm. it's pretty much called Death Valley. It's the home. It's the largest. It's one of the largest concentrations in the United States of gangs. Okay, it's it's you know it's not L.A., but it's it's not far from L.A. It's it's a ton of gang activity, right? 
there's a rapper out there who is probably the most popular rapper in that whole Central Valley. And she goes by the name of Tweety Bird. Okay. And this girl has a following like you wouldn't believe, you know, I mean, like she posts a pics of herself, she posts a pics of herself and it's like 700 likes, you know, mm. and I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, <laughs> you know, yeah. good, good Lord. Now me and her manager are real cool. We've been cool for years. And um, I've been trying to do material with her for years because I, I saw potential, you know. Now you have to understand, she's heavily gang affiliated. And a lot of those, there, there, there's a lot of the Mexican rappers who are gang affiliated like that rap with an accent. And it's in, and even most of them will tell you that it sounds kind of annoying. But she doesn't rap like that. This girl has her own flow. She has her own look. She has her own everything. And what's happened is, is that I finally got a chance to meet her last week. And when I met her, I introduced her to my sound and the way that I do things. And I told her straight up, use that beat, work on your album with you. You you and I will make the first classic out of the Bay Area in God knows how long. Mm. You know, um, you know, we discussed, you know, song concepts, you know what I mean? Such as, you know, for instance... You have to understand that within the Mexican, within Mexicans in California, there's two different cultures. There's Northerners and Southerners. There's Sureños and Norteños. Now she's a Northerner, okay? So with that, it makes it it's so it's so serious and it's so deep. She cannot go to L.A. without covering her tattoos, etc. Just like a Southerner who's up here, you know, he's he's going to encounter a bunch of problems. Like the gang shit is very serious in Cali, man. It's not a, it's not a game. You're talking about fourth, fifth, sixth generation of people who are members. So, you know, it's not like, no disrespect to New York, but it's not like New York where you have cats that are only like seven or eight years generations and that's it. Nah, this shit's going back 50 years. Am I making sense? Yeah. 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 So it's like, it's basically, this girl though is like the shining star out of every one of these types of rappers that I've seen. Because they have a few of them. It's called quote unquote homeboy rap. And I've seen her and a bunch of these guys, but when I saw her, I'm like, this girl can be an MC. So what's happened is, is that I'm taking the girl under my wing and, you know, I'm giving her song ideas and concepts. I mean, do you understand? I'm getting ready to send her a CD package of Illmatic, Iron Man, and Liquid Swords because she's never heard any of that shit. Wow. Oh, wow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Imagine growing up and you never heard that because I told you it's insulated out here. But she's open to it, and she realizes that, like I told you, all these Bay niggas do the same shit. So I told her, we're going to do something different. And regardless of her gang affiliation, that doesn't make her who she are. She Her album is going to be called Struggles of a Homegirl. And it's really about the inner struggle between, you know, the street life and her life as a woman and a mother, you know? The fact that her the father of the child was murdered and assassinated, the effects of that psychologically you know, um, and really examining the breakdown of choosing the street life, balancing that with motherhood, and maintaining your name. And the psychological effects of that is huge among the Mexican population. There are no street-savvy Mexican female rappers that speak for them, and there's God knows how many Mexicans, you know? So, you stand up. I was you gotta, you gotta that, that all that makes you a producer like 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 you are producing from from the ground up you know sending records and you know developing a sound and really working with the artists and everything like that so it's like yeah 
you know, when you say that, you know, you don't care about having your own label and you don't look to this, you know, the uh, rap stuff to kind of, you know, be your financial savior and everything. I can see it happening for you because just your whole mindset of going into a project like this is just crazy. I mean, I mean, you have to understand, like, because I, I don't do it for money. Right. You know, and that's why me and this girl are close. She's like 22, 23, you know. You have to understand, you know, I, I have, I have, I, you know, I normally don't talk about my personal life. I have a son. I have a woman. Things are great. Well, at least they're great now. Okay. Let me tell you something. They're great now. Wasn't always this way, obviously. Oh, I'm not going to get too much into that, but she's just a kid. You know, she's beautiful. She's a lesbian. Okay. But she's very beautiful. And, you know, she has a look. She has these two long braids that she has. She has an identifiable look and she raps and she has her own flow. And God forbid, she has a video with damn near, with, with damn near 800,000 views. Okay. That's number one. So she's got a serious following. She has no promo. In her first interview with a journalist, I set that up. You have uh, my boy uh, Mateo Urella on your show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm setting him. I'm see. I'm setting him up with her. Like she's excited to interview her. She's never been interviewed. All these damn fans, and she's never been interviewed. Okay. Um. So basically, like I said, my goal with her is to bring out the best in her. You know, you you have to understand that. You know. Think about Nas, I gave you power, okay? Think about Tupac, me and my girlfriend. So, you know, I thought, I told her, like, look, you need to do a song, because, you know, Northerners, Northaniels, they wear red rags. I said, you need to do a song about a day in the life and rap from the perspective of a red rag and what it's like to hold one, what it's like to bang for one, and what it's like to die for one, mm. you know? And I said... You understand, these cats, these generations today, they don't know about I Gave You Power. But they can have something similar to it by allowing her to tell the story from the perspective of the rag. You mm. see what I mean? I mean, I'm talking about, like, I'm talking about we're going to, you know, hopefully have songs, you know, I'm working with her, something called Jumped In, you know? A fast-paced song about getting your ass whooped and getting jumped in the fucking day. You know? I'm talking about, the, we're talking about the breakdown and the deconstruction of being in a gang, what it means, and the cost of it, you know? Mm. And I'm not talking about it negatively or positively. It is a matter of environment. So atmospherically, it is my job to make her, people feel the atmosphere and make people feel like, oh, shit, this is what it's like. And, and the thing is, is like I told you, there's a ton of Mexicans, and they got nobody speaking for them. Honestly, mm-hmm. they don't have anybody speaking for them. And when I say speaking for them, I'm not talking about, oh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of Mexican rappers who talk about how they bang and this and that. But how many of them are trying to talk to their fans and let them know, this is what I do. This is a part of who I am. But I am also a woman. I am also a lesbian. I am also in love with another woman. I also have a daughter. You know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's like Mayhem Loren said. If you're going to talk about slanging and this and that, Talk about how niggas get robbed and shot in the face for that shit. You know, if you're going to talk about killing somebody, talk about the psychological after effects of somebody, a dead body. Somebody's brother, somebody's son is now dead in a grave because of you. Talk about the effects of that. That's what I'm going to go into with her. Mm. Mm. And see, that's the thing, too. Like, not only speaking to her people, but like, you know, coming from Baltimore, um, growing up, 
you know, we listened to different songs and that took us to another place and another world that we didn't know about. So we learned about it through there. So not only could she be speaking to her own people, but, you know, now I'm looking her up like, yo, you know, I'm trying to get into this world now through her music. So I think that's, you know, very powerful as well. You know, you know what, man? She's a she's a powerful kid, man. You know, I, I've never... I'd kill to have that damn fan base, okay? Mm. Like, they're eagerly awaiting her next move. You know, she works... She's like me. She's actually a lot like me. She works... She don't really give a shit about money. She, she loves the fans, but she didn't try to go get that. She didn't pander. You know, she didn't... She has never paid a promotional group. Nothing like... She didn't have to do any of that. She put out one big song, all read everything, and then released the album, all read everything, and she's just been kind of doing her thing from there. You got one female who's been featured on 23 different albums out here in the Bay Area and Central Valley. What does that tell you? You know? Like I, I, I was on who had to explain to her, you have it. She's like, what's it? It is you being featured on all these tracks. It is all that big fan base. It is having your own look, your own flow. You know? I mean, like I said, I've never seen a Mexican rapper that had it, and she has it. And and I'm not one to take people or mentor people. You know why? Because you give people advice, and they don't fucking listen. I've given countless beat makers advice like, look, don't post your prices. Don't lease beats. You're not a used car salesman. I give people advice and then they don't fucking take it, so I've stopped doing that. You know? Like, uh, one of the worst things I see, and I talked about this the other day on Facebook, is you will see niggas talking about rappers need to invest in themselves and this and that by buying beats. Well, nigga, how about you invest in a fucking rapper? How about mm -hmm. that? Mm. You know? Don't sit there and act like, nigga, you are not alchemist, dog. You are not <laughs> DJ Mustard. You've rocked with nobody. Nobody knows you. So how the fuck do you expect anyone to pay $200 when they could get a beat for free by ripping it off a sound click or ripping it off YouTube for free? A producer's name has to bring credibility. If, if credibility isn't brought by a, by a beat, they'll just get it from many other millions of beat makers who will just rock with you for free. Yeah, and the thing too is like a lot of a lot of beat makers, they, you know, the ones who are able to make it and gain notoriety, they gain it because they build a community of people that they produce for and develop that sound. Absolutely. They, you know, do something with it. Like, you know, take DJ Mustard for example. You know, in modern times, you know how he built with YG. Um, you know, I remember him in '06 and. You know, now look at, you know, what's happened since then, and it's taking time, you know? And it's like, now that they've built their whole thing, other people look into it, and it's like, you have to look at certain examples and what path other people took to make it, you know? And it's not, you know, how you were saying, like, leasing beats and all that type of stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely, and like I said, you can you can you can say with me, my rise has been pretty goddamn fast, man. I'm not gonna lie. Now, don't get me wrong. I started ten years ago, actually, almost eleven. I started ten years ago, but I only came back. I really only came back in April of 2014, mm -hmm. and after that, I raised the money and this and that. So you know, you got a letter to my son, which drops, I believe, December 15th. You got that right. Mm -hmm. Then you have Street Champion, which as you, I named off a, a bunch of people. That's not even all of them. You know, I mean, we're talking legends. You got an A-lister like Sky Zoo. 
You know what I'm saying? You got you got my man Spit Gems. You got Chris Rivers. You know what I'm saying? You got people who have credibility. One street champion drops. That says, oh, shit, Cole James Cash, he's rocking with a whole shitload of people. I mm-hmm. need to contact him because obviously he got that. He has heat. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I'm saying. And then from there, we, you know, when I, you know, when I finish this stuff, finish this up with my girl Tweety, in you know, five to six months because she's kind of slow. Okay, she takes her time. Um, you know, when I finish that up, I want her to be the first breakthrough street Mexican rapper because you got this girl named Snow the Product who's a right. great rapper, a great mm-hmm. spitter. But you know what? She ain't from the goddamn street. You know, she ain't, she ain't, she ain't tatted up, and she ain't never put in no work. And I don't mean that as a negative, not at all. And I'm glad she didn't have to do that. But you know what? My girl did, okay? You know, my my youngster had to put in work. My youngster had to earn her stripes, especially as a female where they don't even technically allow. There's no such thing as a North Peña. They don't even allow that shit. And she said, fuck it, I don't give a fuck. I still do what I got to do, you know? You know, to narrate that, to me, that's important because it speaks to the Mexican group as it, on a street level, and it speaks speak to people who aren't Mexican that can look at it and say, oh, shit, here's a Mexican spitter who's talking that street shit, who's talking that real shit from a perspective that's relatable. Shit, I might be a black-ass nigga, but I'm fucking with it. That's how <laughs> I feel. So what do you look for in a rapper when you, um, when you, when you, you know, want to work with somebody? I usually work with a lot of aggressive and when I say aggression, I'm not talking like, you know, a lot of these trap dudes that talk endlessly about moving bricks and shooting people because it's it's not real, you know. If that was the case, I'd have a whole roster of Slim Jesus, you know. It's, it's <laughs> what I look for. I, I look for presence on the mic, number one. You've got to sound natural. I need you to sound natural. I need. I like for things to be aggressive. I like for you to want to be number one. That's one thing I can say about the girl. That's one thing I can say about my man F.U., my man Lex, okay? Them niggas want to be number one. Every track to them, it's like, I must body this. I'm going hard. These niggas ain't rappers. They're MCs, okay? You got to be an MC. You need to have a base in lyricism. You need to have some sort of base in what you rap about. And I don't take no cat in the hat type niggas, man. You know, you've got to be able, if it, I got to, you know what, I'm a producer. If somebody disses me, I need you to go to war for me if necessary. Right, if right. Yeah, with me, if somebody says, man, fuck that pussy ass stick in a mask, I'm going to make you with the hardest shit I got, and you got to go to war on my behalf, because we niggas, and that's what it is. If hmm. somebody comes and disses me and calls me a son of a bitch, my man F you, if I call on him, he's going to be like, yo. Our name is our name. Elite Squad is our clique. Fuck this. We going hard. If a female wants to come at me, fell. God forbid. My girl Tweety, if she can't get you lyrically, she'll shoot the fair one and knock you the fuck out. That's real mm. talk. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So it's it's that's how I look at it. Now, I'm just talking shit, figure, of speech, but that's right. what I look at. You know, can I count on you to go to war? Can I count on you not to, not to if, if an MC wants to go one-on-one, can I count on you to outwrap them? Mm. That's what I look for. Now, when it comes to approaching different artists, do you um, mostly do it, you know, through computer or do you do it um, in person? I prefer to, now, you understand, I'm in the Bay Area, so when it comes to the New York niggas, I usually like to have them call me. 
you know, and interact. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're close to me, like Modesto's about 70 miles away. That's where my girl Tweety lives. Um, that's like 70 miles away. So I had to take the train out there. And I will take the train. I will go under my own dime. I'll get a room. I'll do whatever I have to do to get a face-to-face with her. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like I went out there to get a face-to-face and develop rapport. You have to understand, I don't work with too many people, man. Don't be fooled by street champion. I just recruited because I had to. Mm-hmm. When it comes to people who are like within my circle, let's say my buddy Metaphysical, you know, my buddy Casey Soprano out of Jersey, Metaphysicals from uh, uh, LES, um, Crew 54 out of Texas. When it comes to those cats, man, me and them, you know, we cool. You know, but my closest advisors are easily Lex and my man F.U. Those cats guide me through everything along with my buddy Malcolm Albert. Um, and, of course, my man, my man, music critic and uncut, you know, owner, Robbie Edelson. Those guys, those guys guide me. You know, they guide me in a major way. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I try to, I develop rapport with these guys. And I'm very responsive. And you know what? Most of all, I'm a man of my word, dog. If I say F, F you, Lex, I'm doing a track. If you guys fuck with me, I promise you, I will put you on with the best rappers and we'll, you know, I'll, I'll do this Kickstarter. I'll get the money together. I'll make sure you guys are rocking with the best. Next thing you know, the niggas is on the track with Sky Zoo. Mm. You know, next thing you know, the niggas is on the track with Gorilla Nims. You see what I mean? And Gorilla Nims was fresh off the Ghostface album when I got him. Right. You know, he he did the song with Coogee Rap, and he did the song with Ghost on Ghost album. So it's like like I had to make sure that look, I'm gonna make sure that my guys shine because I got projects with those guys. You know, now with my girl Tweety, it's the same deal. I made contact with with Blue out in L.A. I said, look, I got something. It's going to be about this and this. Are you with it? He's like, yes. So I do something. I get I get a major feature. I pair them up, and then I use that to lure in the, the hip-hop fans or whatever or the fans of those guys, and I use that to lure them into my guys. Hmm. I mean, that's it's it's really like I have a – I guess you could say I, I map shit out. I have a plan. Hmm. So – so I guess going back to your to your DJ days, I'm a little bit. I was curious to know that you know whenever you did perform, you know I know I noticed in some interviews you talked about how you don't like to be photographed and things like that. And um, even when oh, you were wow. DJing, <laughs> so when you were DJing back in the day, did you um, you know wear you know maybe sunglasses or maybe maybe even a mask early on in your younger days? As well, a DJ? before before I would just okay up until 2008. 2009 I would DJ just regular but there are honestly there aren't any pictures of me and if there are I wouldn't fucking know but um this is the pre-Instagram Twitter era really mm-hmm. so if you're talking from 09 2010 2011 2012 13 any DJ any gig especially 2014 when I was on Texas DJing basically you're gonna get the mask and, and you're not gonna get shit else mm-hmm. So when you're out, so all right. So when you are DJing a gig, you know, within that, within this era, do you interact with people still, just with the mask, or are you like more quiet, more reserved? I do. Okay. I do. I, I interact with anybody, you know, because I got to show them I'm a normal fucking person. Um, but but most of the time, if I'm DJing, I usually like to concentrate on that. Um, I've had people try to yank the mask off, and 
male or female, you're gonna get slapped for that shit. Mm. You know, and if I gotta and if I gotta catch a fade from some big ass nigga who wanted to get the mask on, then that's what it is. Mm. Mm. You're not taking it off. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. That's, that's some real shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's real shit, and it's also real fucking childish. But regardless, that's just how I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess fast forwarding a little bit, um. Man, when I listened to the Street Fighter project that you sent us, um, I didn't really have a chance to delve into it, but, um, okay. you know, you don't delve into it too deep, but I tried to listen to every track, and it just brought back a sense of nostalgia of uh, Street Fighter 2, and then, you know, just, I remember on Sega Genesis, we had the Special Championship Edition, and then, you know, on Super Nintendo, the Super Street Fighter 2 and everything like that. And um, I know that you're heavy in the video games, so, um, you know, can you uh, speak to, like, you know, the influence of video games and everything, and, um, you know, how much you're into those? Um, well, basically, Street Champion just comes from me playing a lot of Street Fighter and knowing mm -hmm. the stories and wanting to convey those stories. At the end of the day, Street, Street Champion is really a, a vehicle for me to discuss competition mm. you know street you know the difference between bbw and street fighters bbw is a lot of romantic but street champion is is straight up spit straight up mc and you know this is mc and this is going bar for bar this is one-on-one -on -one. yeah one you thing know? i noticed is like like not a lot of hooks just bars no fuck you know there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of hooks because you know i mean riz already told you the same rapid bullshit Right. You know, this is this is this is straight, you know, I mean it's like it's like you're playing Street Fighter and my little pony isn't gonna show up, dog. <laughs> you know. It's 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 one on one. It's you versus them. You know, mm -hmm. and only one person can win, so you give you give it your best. Mm -hmm. Now um, why is it based on Street Fighter two? So that people would fucking know, like people would be like, "Oh shit, there's a Street Fighter album." What the fucking clown made that shit? I was quick one song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what it comes down to, you know. I mean, I got guys rapping in character. Chris Rivers rapping in character. Gorilla yeah, rapping yeah, in character. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like people are like, "What the fuck is this?" I'm telling you, it's like that's what I go for. What the hell is this shit? Yeah, you I mean, know, and then and, and people fuck with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, this episode will probably come out before the album drops, but, you know, it's crazy to hear, like, some people rapping from the perspective of a Sagat or, like... Yeah, that was Gorilla Nims, yo. Yeah. <laughs> yo. <laughs> or, like... Um, and, and, and Gorilla Nims ain't no nobody, man. That nigga, yeah. that nigga just got back on tour with Jedi Mind Tricks and them niggas, man, so... And there was one joint where, um... The dude was talking about like all the Zangief stuff, and I was just remembering the moves and uh, oh yeah, you know all of the code books I used to look at back in the day. Yep. <laughs> you know the psycho yep. spin. Hundred Hundred Hand Hundred Hand Slap is the most popular song on there though. Like I, it hasn't come out, but that's the one everybody loves, man. Yeah, that, yeah, that was interesting because it, yeah, that uh, like seeing like that that term kind of brought me back to Street Fighter and shit like that. And even like um the uh the um the Ryu and Ken joint. Oh yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> like yeah. So you're talking about like yeah, like trying to like wrap out the whole storyline and narrate and narrate it and uh, yeah, everything like yeah, that. Yeah, like I said though, 
Hundred Hand Slap is a song about pimping. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, it's 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 like I said, I try to make it try to make it interesting. You know, and and that's probably the most danceable song I've ever made. It's the only song I could probably ever use in a club. Um, but yeah, like I said, I just tried to make I just tried to make a good album. I'm not one of these niggas like yeah, I made a classic. Man, I don't. But you know what? What stupid niggas don't understand is back in the day we didn't know we had classics. We didn't know. Like 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 you know when Red Man dropped Muddy Waters, we didn't know it was a classic. When Jizz dropped Liquid Swords, we didn't know. Thirty Six Chambers, we didn't know. It just it dropped and we liked it. And later on, it stood the test of time. You know, that's why that's why I didn't like the crowning of Kendrick Lamar's to Pimp a Butterfly. It's it's too early. You know, let the boy let the boy enjoy his success. Let him get his message across. Fuck all this classic shit. Why don't you just listen to it and take it for what it is and if it stands the test of time, which it will, you know, let the let the man have his success. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I am um, a big I'm a big Kendrick champion because you know what man, Kendrick ain't out here talking about Molly and Pussy and this and that, man. He's not sending messages to my community that they don't need to fucking hear because they hear it all the goddamn time. Mm. You know, Kendrick, Kendrick's idea of a good time is not, you know, talking about, you know, how can I put this without being too fucking irrational? Kendrick's idea of a good time is not going to a strip club and throwing money because before rap, I was gameless. You see what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. Before, before rap, Kendrick was in the hood. Before rap, Kendrick had to do what he had to do. So he understands the importance of how these messages affect his community and he stands for something. And some of these big name rappers don't stand for a goddamn thing and that's why the genre is in the position it's in now. Mm. Mm. So what what are you listening to now? Um, as far as what? As far as hip hop, just you know, what's in your rotation? Oh, as far as hip hop? Oh, you know what? Uh of course, I listen to my boys. Um, Max, like I said, he has a new album called, called Break the Pattern. Um, I listen to... Um, shit. Um, I've been listening to this cat named um, Conway um, and Westside Gun. Like, I really mm-hmm. like those guys. Um, I like these cats out of Philly, uh, Clever One and Him Low. You know, I really, I really, you know, I definitely, definitely enjoy those guys. Um I've been listening to um, that Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib project still. Oh, uh, yeah. Big Twins released a Big Twins released an album back in uh, March, and I finally got around to to, to checking it out. Um, one of my favorite albums has been that Blue Good to Be Home. Um, I really love that shit, man. Oh man, I go crazy for it. You know, um, I definitely. But for the most part, I spend a lot of my time listening to jazz. Um, I, I, and it's not because like I'm not one of those people that's disillusioned about hip hop. There's a lot of great things happening, and 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 I'm gonna keep it real with you. With my girl, I'm trying to create a new a new standard and a new legend. You can't hang on to the past forever. You got to create new ones. And I'm trying to I'm trying to bring something that no, nobody's ever seen with this girl. Uh. So for me, I listen to a lot of jazz. You know, I've been listening to a lot of Chet Baker and a lot of Art Blakey and Nicola Conti. And, uh, of course, my, my hero, Sergio Mendes, and uh, Elsa Suarez. These are Brazilian bossa nova singers. Um, you know, 
I listen to a lot of that so I can bring those elements into my music. Mm. You know, if you're like, if you're sitting there listening to John Coltrane all the time, when you make music, you're going to use what it is that they used and try to emulate that. Mm. A lot of kids these days, think about ASAP Rocky, they're growing up on all this trap shit and all this Gucci mane, so they're going to emulate that. That's why I kind of don't blame the kids for sounding like that, even though they're from New York. You know, you can't blame a kid who's listening to a bunch of the same shit on the radio and then he's not going to emulate it. Well, if I'm listening to Miles Davis' Bitches Brew, then that means I'm going to have a certain level of experimentation. And as I've, I've said this before, musical theory. There's theory. There's progression. There's theme. When thin jazz, you have to have that. Because right. there's not going to be any words to fucking save you. There's not a hook that's going to save you. You know, there's not yeah. going to be like, when I hear that hotline bling, that's not going to save you in jazz, dog. That's you not going to fucking the, save you. Yeah, dissonant chords and, you know, how they resolve and yeah. so, you know, the harmonics. And, and, and that's, no, that's no disrespect to hooks. or It's not no disrespect to Drake. But Drake said once that he wanted to be like Marvin Gaye. Well, the advice I'd give him, he made what's going on. And if you want to be like Marvin, you better take a look around, mm. black man. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. Man. You know, that's, and I'm not giving advice to, I don't mean to give advice to someone who's more financially relevant than me. He's bigger than me. He's more popular than me. He's more successful than me. But when he said he wanted to be like Marvin, he bet, you know, he's he's hearing him, but he ain't listening. Because if he was, his content would completely change. And I still I still hold out the idea that Drake at some point will wake up. You know, yeah. I mean, that to he'll me, wake up. like 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 I always said that that Tupac was like the Marvin Gaye of of hip hop because. He, like, Marvin Gaye hit you on every level. Like, he did sexual healing, and he did what's going on. Like, he had a diverse range of topics, but he still hit you and made those records that, that um, you know, had some type of social consciousness to it, even if it wasn't necessarily the most popular thing at the time. Um, and it's like... You know, it's kind of rare to find an artist like that now. So, like, you know, you have the... You know why? Because Tupac was about his people. Right. He was about his people. And I'm going to be honest with you. You have to spend time with our people to really know us. And when you, when you, when you spend time with us, when you grow up... I live in East Oakland. When you grow up with us... When you spend time with us, I'm not talking about, oh, yeah, I'm with the label and I'm down with this person because we're on the label. No. Live with us. See what it's like. See what our community's like. See what our, our communities are lacking. See the lack of opportunity, you know? See how we have to work 10 times as harder. I guarantee you, you're not going to be talking about your Ferraris and this and that and the other because you'll realize I'm driving a fucking Ferrari and yet there's a kid trying to take the bus and he can barely make it on time while he's making ends meet at a job while he's trying to go to school. And here I am throwing it in his face that I could take his bitch. Mm, yeah, yeah. I you mean, know, you're, you're, you're gonna, your perspective is going to fucking change. 
I mean, you know, speaking of what you just said, I remember um, when I was younger, um, you know, how you uh, uh, talk about the rapper, talking about they're going to take your bitch. Um, I remember Bow Wow had a record where he said, I ain't fresh as, you ain't fresh as I'm is. And when I heard that <laughs> song, I just wanted to smack him in his face. Like, how dare you say this to me on the radio that I'm listening to over these airwaves. <laughs> and it's like, you know, how could an artist like really come and stun on you like that when there's so much other stuff that's going on? And it's just crazy. And, then, you know, you said that, that, you know, you're in East Oakland right now. And, you know, we're from Baltimore. So, you know, we have the whole Freddie Gray and everything like that that's going on with the riots. And, you know, I know in Oakland they had the uh, Oscar Grant situation and stuff like that. So it's like. Oh, yeah, that was the, that was the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> that was the beginning. So it's like. And that's why. You know, I just want to say, I don't expect rappers to rap about things politically, but when Young Thug gives an interview and he says, they ask, like, you know, is it a rap, is it within a rapper's position to discuss politics? He's like, nah, man, you know, we over here, we got all this ice and this and that. And I felt bad for Young Thug. I felt bad because it's like, you know what? You know, it's like that saying goes, man, the slave master gives you a chain and a whip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I, did you guys see that interview where you said that? I when yeah, it came to Ferguson. I heard about that, and I was just yeah. like, you know, where did the disconnect come from? Because, you know, I'm not too much younger than you, and like I had a certain, like I have a certain sense about things that are going on, and even if, like, even if you don't know or aren't politically active, like. It's one thing to not know things and to just be aloof, but it's a whole nother thing to just come out and say that, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, when Soldier Boy said years ago about, you know, thanking the slave masters. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, he's like, if it wasn't for the slave masters, that wouldn't have all this ice and tattoos. And like I said, you know, you know what? At the end of the day, these are young kids who are unguided. That's why I don't speak negative. That's why I said I'm not speaking negatively about Drake. I'm not speaking negatively yeah, yeah. about Young Thug and Soldier Boy because you know what? They 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 clearly are not being guided. You know. Yeah, and, and at the same time, you know, like um, how most Def said, and I agree with them. Um, you know, Soldier Boy turned my swag on. I don't know if you remember that song, but you know, he said, you know, that's like a new Negro spiritual. Like, I wake up in the morning, I turn my swag on. Like, the joint is kind of uplifting in a certain sense. It makes you feel good when you wake up in the morning. So it's like, that's yeah. his generation. Yeah, that's that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm not hating on no brother that's not even only more successful than me, mm -hmm. but has stayed relevant. That's why I told you, man, I don't waste my time disliking yeah. certain rappers. Because, you know what? Get money while you can get it. Because it doesn't last forever. But if you I, but if you don't stand for something, you will only be remembered for what you didn't do. Mm. You know, because at the end of the day, think about Nelly. You know, what do you remember Nelly for? <laughs> Tip drill. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I mean, at what point does Nelly, did Nelly take a stand? You know, and now I don't. I'm not saying that it's his job, but you know what? I'm a black man. And I'm living in turbulent times. And you know what? I speak Spanish. 
I speak, you know, I speak Spanish. Portuguese is my primera. Español is my segundo. They're trying to kick my people out the fucking country. And I'm not having it. They're trying to kick my son out the country, his mother out the country. And I'm not having that shit. Mm. So not taking a stand is what allows these people to do what they do. And I read this the other day, you know, I got to go, but I read this the other day, man. You know, I, I hate to make it too political, but fuck it. People talk about refugees coming here and ruining things. Refugees have done nothing but do great things for this country. The only time refugees came here and fucked everything up is a day that everybody's going to celebrate come Thursday. Mm. Mm. Wow. You know, those are the only, those are the only motherfuckers who came someplace and exterminated everybody. So some of these cats need to take a look in the mirror and think about who it is that they are and who it is and what it is that they stand for when you're sitting there watching a man tell you your people are racist, your people are worthless, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter doesn't mean shit, Latinos are a bunch of, you know, criminals and this and that and there needs to be a wall built, et cetera, et cetera. If people don't wake the fuck up, history is doomed to repeat itself and it's like where did where did the Rockefellers and all of these people get their money from illegal activities people were doing all kind of things and then now that they're in a position of power they want to you know slang the next man down for some stuff that shouldn't even be illegal you know because we're supposedly supposed to have personal freedom so and the thing is the best way I can put it if a, if a drug-addicted, fat girl fucking video game playing jackass like B knows, you should definitely fucking know if you Word. listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> you know? If I know, and you see my lifestyle, you should know. You know? Regardless of my flaws, I stand for something. Mm. You know? I'm a veteran. I stand for something. I have every right. Because, you know, people are talking about, oh, yeah, we should go to war and this and that. You know what? Unless you're ready to lock and load your goddamn self, don't fuck that tough shit. And see, and see, that's what I tell people. I say, listen, you want to send people, you, you know, we should do this and that. Me personally, I don't want to go over there and do that. So I'm not advocating for that. Hell no. Like, like, like you shouldn't, if you want to go to war yourself, you want to go over there? Go ahead. If you're talking about that, but... You know, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> no, absolutely. But basically going back to it, man, you know, when it comes to when it comes to my, my album, A Letter to My Son it should drop uh December fifteenth. I'll get I'll get you guys up with a link so that you can get the pre order, okay? No um and the, the single hands up will drop, it's right up your guys' alley. You know, I mean, Crew 54, man, I, I made that beat right when the Mike Brown shit happened because I'm like, oh, no, I'm not having this. Mm. I'm not having this, mm. you know? So you have, um, and then, like I said, uh, January Street Champion drops. Right after that, my man FU's dropping the F word on Red Phone Records. Um, I think he's going on a European tour, that lucky fuck. He's going <laughs> on a European tour for it. You know, that's my man, that's my brother. Shout okay? out to him. And then... Um, when it's ready, okay, when it's ready, um, my girl Tweety, 
she'll be ready to come out. And you know what? Let me tell you something. You need to have her on your show, man. You know? Yo. Hey, man. She, let's, she let's is far ahead. more interesting than I am, man. You know? <laughs> she is far more interesting than I am. I mean, who doesn't want to talk to a lesbian coming straight out that gang life who was about that life? And she, like I said, Tweety will either outwrap you or she'll shoot the fair one. You pick mm. your poison. Hey, man, let's make you know, it happen. Let's put on the show, man. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what you understand. Like, she's not used to dealing with media. Because I'm the, I'm the one with all the media connections. I'll be keeping real. And that's only because I talk so goddamn much. I can't help but know somebody who's a journalist, okay? So I'm trying. I'm doing my best to get her out there because she's already out there. She just needs more outlets to show people who she is, you know? And she's a great yeah. kid, man. I love that kid. I love that kid. You know, I mean, it's, kids like her motivate me that this genre can still stay alive. Word. Well, we definitely got to have her on. And, you know, like us, you know, are we journalists? I mean, we're just chilling, talking like, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, the you know. thing is, man, you know, regardless, regardless, man, I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. And I didn't mean to make it all political, but you know what, man? No, no, we got to talk about politi that. Political is what's fucking happening, man. And I'm sick of I'm sick of individuals who are purporting straight lies and they're being passed on. And when I see a Black Lives protester being beaten at a Donald Trump rally and kicked, mm. that's my people getting kicked. When I see a Latin when I see a Latino reporter who's being kicked out because he's asking questions, that's my people being suppressed. You hey man, are you a um, dead I'm press fan? I'm not having it. Huh? Are you a dead press fan? You know what? I'm not gonna say no. I just haven't gotten around to it, man. Okay. Like I, I, I just haven't gotten around to it. But yo, I, I really gotta go. But I really okay. enjoy talking to you guys, even though I did most of the fucking talking as always. <laughs> you know, some some people just don't know when to shut the fuck up, and I'm one of them. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoy talking to you guys, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on my show. And when everything's ready to drop, you know, you guys know you'll, I have no problem dropping you links, email, etc. Oh no doubt, hey, man. No doubt. We definitely appreciate you having you on. We definitely enjoyed it, man. You're you know you're more interesting than you think you are. <laughs> Well, thank you. I would, and I definitely want to thank uh, Mateo Urella for uh, yes. getting me on the show. And that motherfucker just interviewed Ronda Rousey's mom. Man, he's moving up oh, the world. What? <laughs> yeah, he we moved like Sports, Sports Illustrated. Shit, he is moving up, boy. He just sent us an email yeah. uh, about some stuff. He didn't mention that. <laughs> And the thing think. is, too, is that he's got he's got a very extensive interview with me that'll drop in January. So, you know, you know, it's it, it you know, like I said, he's a great he's a great kid, man. And that's why I I was actually the one that approached him. I said, look, you should be writing about me. <laughs> and this this and this is why you should write about me. He's like, oh hell yeah, I should be writing about you. Oh shit, you know. <laughs> so yeah, um, I definitely appreciate you guys, man, and. I will talk to my girl Tweety because she's very, very private. But I'm gonna tell her you need to appear in as many places as possible because she can't get the door of you. No doubt, man. I mean, you know how to get at us, and you know, shout out to you, man. We definitely appreciate you having you on, and we're looking forward to the joint about your son and the Street Fighter joint. Um, and we'll Thank you. You know, put the links up on everything, blast on Twitter and our Tumblr and all of that. That's what's up, man. All right, I'll holler at you guys, man. Thanks for having me on. No doubt, man. Peace. Peace. All right, bye. 
feeling this here. Yeah, son, you feel it, man. What up, son? You gotta just do it, yo. Yeah, man. Yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up, on, man? What up? Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. So good. What up? All good, baby. In every hood, son. What up, yeah? CNN Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime lace, cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, network, channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas, this grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime lace, cast more beef.